I hope you've had a really good break. Um, we didn't go really go around our way too much, but we had, we, had, we had brisket and we had beef short ribs and beef cheeks on the barbie. So, you know, do you need to go away when you got those things? I don't think so. And so it's all good, and it's great to have you here if you're a visitor. Welcome. Hey, while I've been um, kind of on a break and kind of just relaxing at home and recovering from putting my back out over a week ago, um, putting the frying pan away, that to me is God showing me that housework is of the devil. And um, so I tried to say to Trinity, I don't think I should do housework anymore because it's bad for my back. And, um, you know, but somehow that doesn't really work. And anyway, while I've been spending this time in uh, praying and stuff, uh, especially praying about this Sunday, you know, the first Sunday that we've had together for 2021 and you know, and usually, you know, people do this kind of big vision kind of thing for the year and all that sort of stuff. And the word that God, he gave me two words, actually, for our church. The first one is what I'm going to speak on this morning. The second one was making room. And when we come to talking about uh, our future Sunday in February, we're going to do a series on what does that mean to make room for God in 2021. But I really felt like God speak to me to start this year talking to you about the pursuit the pursuit of God. I don't, I don't know about you, but every time I hear the word pursuit, the first thing that comes to mind is a great car chase in a movie, yeah? Like something like James Bond scenario? No? That doesn't, that, when you think of pursuit, that's not what you think. Some of you, when you think of pursuit, you think about your wife. Wow. Sorry, ladies, I'm trying to help, but it's just, there's no romance in the air. Or maybe your girlfriend, or maybe you've got your eyes set on someone you want to pursue. Can I get an amen for that? Oh, far out. So I think about that. You know, I think about either a car chase, or I think about the pursuit, my pursuit of Trinity. You know, taking her out on the first date, got her dressed up, told her we're going out to a five-star restaurant, took her back to my house, and I cooked for her instead. Then my parents interrupted us half an hour later because their car broke down, so I had to go and help them with their car breakdown. I had to push the car, and, and then they hung out with us. It's a great first date. And then, uh, you know, and then pursuing her a little bit more to the point that we got engaged, as I proposed very romantically, and, you know, and pursued to the engagement stage, and then you're pursuing to the wedding day, and you get married, and then once you're married, hey, guys, you don't have to do anything else. Hey? Isn't that true? Yeah, come on. Uh, actually, no, it's not true, because marriage is just a continuation of the pursuit of one another, yes? In fact, you've got to continue to pursue his or her heart in marriage. It never stops the pursuit, because the moment you neglect the pursuit of one another's heart is the moment that you're going to start to have problems in your marriage, this is a little bit of free advice for you. The minute you stop pursuing one another is the minute you're going to start to have problems. And for me, you know, pursuit is a word that God gave me personally for this year. It was like, pursue me. 2021, make it the year of pursuit. And I, and I love the idea of pursuing God. In fact, in Proverbs, one of my favorite scriptures, 2121, it says, whoever pursues righteousness and life no, sorry, pursues righteousness and love, finds life, prosperity, and honor. I love that. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, 
prosperity, and honor. It's the pursuit of righteousness and love. Righteousness meaning right standing with God. Love meaning God is love. It's really about who pursues a relationship with God, finds life, prosperity, and honor. The thing that I love about it is that it's about the pursuit. It's not about the perfection. It's not about me getting it right. It's not about me always being right. If pursuit and relationship was always about getting it right, my marriage wouldn't have lasted 26 years. And neither would have yours. Because there's plenty of times where we get it wrong, yeah, in marriage. Trinity tried to kill me while we were on holiday. You're not really tuning into me this morning, so I'm going to tell you a story. She tried to kill me. She was eating popcorn on the couch, and a piece of the popcorn fell onto the couch, and I said to her, honey, you need to pick up that piece of popcorn. So you know what she did? She kicked the piece of popcorn off the couch onto the floor. So I waited for her to go to the toilet, and I picked up the piece of popcorn and sat it on her seat. She then, when I went to the toilet, did the same thing to me. So I decided that I would put it on her pillow. <laughs> because she needs to understand, she needs to put the popcorn in the rubbish, yes? It's not my job. I'm not eye made. Huh? I put it on her pillow, and then it was gone, and I thought it was okay. But I, I have to, when I sleep, because I, I have sleep apnea, I have to wear a mask. What I didn't know, because it was dark when I went to sleep, is that she had put the popcorn inside the mask. <laughs> so at about two o'clock in the morning, I'm starting to choke to death because I've just inhaled a piece of popcorn. Now, here's the thing. That there is a pursuit killer, right? You know what I mean? We all make mistakes in our marriage. Pursuing is not about being perfect and getting it right. Otherwise, we would all break up. And what God is trying to say to us is pursuit is not about perfection. It's not about getting it right. It's not about doing the right thing. You see, pursuit is actually about intention. Pursuit is about intention. Pursuit is a posture of the heart. It's the going after, not the getting right. It's the pursuit of God. It's about the going after. It's an intention. It's the state of a heart. It means to me that, that it's okay if I make mistakes. It's okay if I don't get it right all the time. As long as the intention is righteousness and love, as long as the intention is pursuing those things, if I get things wrong along the way, it's okay because pursuit is the intention of the heart. And what happens with us is that we tend to judge people by their actions. We tend to judge people by what they do, not what they say. They can have great intentions, but if their actions don't meet their intentions, we will judge the person and say, you didn't do what you said that you're going to do. Praise God that God doesn't judge us by our behavior or by our actions, but he judges us by the intention of the heart. As Proverbs 21.2 says, the Lord weighs the heart. In other words, God's not looking for you to be perfect and God's not looking for you to always get it right. He weighs 
sees the heart of intention. Pursuit is about the intention of the heart, not the behavior of my actions. Now in saying that, as you pursue him and you become more like him, it's going to change your actions. But just doing actions without intention of pursuit is not a relationship that's religion. Are you with me today? And I love that God sees my intentions and he doesn't purely hold me to my actions. But if 2021 is going to be a year of pursuing God, then there's something that we have to really understand. A couple of things that I believe that we need to really understand if it's going to be the year of pursuit. And the first thing is this, is that you have to understand that God pursued you first. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139 verses 13 to 18. And the message says, oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. Your breathtaking body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing to something. Like an open book, you watch me grow from concept to birth, all stages of my life were spread out before you, the days of my life all prepared before I had even lived one. See, you have to understand that in the pursuit of God, you have to understand that he pursued you first. It's so vital for us to understand that God came after us first before we ever came after him. And why is it important to understand that God pursued us before we start to pursue him? Because relationships only work when both people want it. You see, if we think pursuit of God is all about us pursuing him and trying to please him and trying to get a smile from him and trying to get the thumbs up and the okay, and he's just sitting there waiting for us to do all this stuff and and prove yourself and I'll see how good you are and then I'll decide whether I want. No, no, no. Relationships don't work unless both people want it. Trust me, guys, you can pursue that girl as much as you want, but if she ain't interested, there's never going to be a relationship. Relationships require both both people to want it. If it's just one-sided, it's called stalking. (laughs) And God pursued you and wanted you way before you wanted him. And that's good news for me in my pursuit of him. Because I understand that he pursued me first, so then my effort in pursuit of him is not wasted, but it's wanted. You see, all my efforts, all the stuff that I do, all the things that I do for God, all the the work that I put in, it's not wasted, but it's wanted because he pursued me first. That's why it says if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Why? Because the pursuit of Christ is never wasted. It's always wanted. And generally, if you've been around church long enough, generally when we start to think about pursuing God, these are the things that we think about. Read your Bible more. Pray more. 
worship more, give more, serve more, be at church more. And not that any of those things are bad, but here's the problem I have when we start to think like this, is that it becomes a checklist of what I need to do. Uh, I need to read my Bible, I need to pray, worship, give, attend church, go to a connect group, have I covered all the boxes? Yep, covered them all, cool. And it's not that these things are bad, but we can try to turn them into a formula. And I don't know about you, but my marriage doesn't work by formula. My relationship with my children doesn't work by formula. It's not like Seth gets up in the morning and comes down and the first checkbox is, say good morning, sir, to your father. Good morning, sir. Rub his feet. You know, it's not that those things are bad. I'm <laughs> just joking. It's not that those things are bad, but I, I believe that so, much, so often as human beings, we kind of get into this checklist kind of formula when it comes to God. I've read my Bible, I've prayed, I've tithed, I've served, I've turned up to church, and because I've done this and this and this and this, then God has to do that and that and that and that, because I've done this, he has to do this, and then what we do is we turn our relationship with God into a contract rather than a covenant, and so I'll do all these things that apparently I'm meant to do, as long as you do the things that you're meant to do, and then we'll be good, but if you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm going to stop doing doing what I should do. And we can turn it into a formula. And here's the problem, even if we don't stop doing those things, but we treat it like a checklist, we treat it like a formula, what we tend to do in the pursuit of God is we just try harder and harder and harder. And then what happens is we don't have a relationship with God our, our relationship with God becomes works-based rather than heart-based. And we just try harder and harder. And the problem with trying harder and harder in all these things is trying harder leads to right religious behavior, but it doesn't necessarily lead to relationship. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't read your Bible. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do all those things that I mentioned. But remember, pursuit is about the intention and the posture of the heart, not the actions or the behavior. And so I can turn around and tell Trinity every single day that I love her, but if it's just a duty and it's not heart-related, then it's just a behavior, not a relationship. Are you with me this morning? And you should absolutely do all those things that I mentioned. You should absolutely do those things. But these things should lead us to a pursuit of our hearts for his heart, not lead to a list of to-dos. I've gone on you version and I've done my two Bible readings today. I'm a good Christian. Not that those things are bad. But remember, it's got to come from the heart intention not a thought of these are the things that I need to do. These things are all great and they're all good to do. And if you do them, here's the thing, if you do all those things, you will find yourself become closer to God. You'll find your relationship with him will go from strength to strength. 
It will, as long as the intention is from the heart, you will become closer. You will hear his voice. And everything else that you're going to do, you will do all that if the intention of the heart is the pursuit of him, of going after him. Because when I pursued Trinity to become my wife, I pursued her heart, not her behavior. And so we pursue the heart of God in those things, then those things will change us. But if we treat them as a checklist, you can do all those things and nothing will change you because it's coming from the wrong intention. It's coming from the wrong place. Well, that's awesome, Craig. So you're saying that I need to pursue God and all that sort of stuff, but I started asking God this. That's cool, pursue you, but what's the goal? Like, what's the outcome of pursuit? At at the end of the day, when all is said and done and we've done all those things and our intentions are right, what is the outcome? Why pursue Him? Well, the goal of pursuit of God is actually surrender. You see, if 2020 was the year of trusting God, then to me, 2021 is the year of surrender to God. Why is surrender better than trust? Because if I'm honest with you and you're honest with yourself, trust is situational. Come on, let's be honest this morning. Trust is situational. We will trust God with that situation and this situation and this situation because I need him, but I'll look after all the rest. Trust is situational. We'll trust God because we've got a bad doctor's report. We'll trust God because we need help financially. We'll trust, and and not necessarily bad to trust him. I'm not saying that that's bad, but trust tends to be situational. And the problem with that is we can tend to pick and choose where we will trust him and where we won't trust him. And then the other thing that we can tend to do is that we'll trust him until he starts doing it while he does it the way that we want him to do it, when he's not doing it the way that I want him to do it, then I'll take back control because I can't trust him with that because he's not doing what I wanted him to do. And so I take back control. You see, the thing about trust is trust can be withdrawn. I can withdraw trust at any stage. I'm teaching Seth how to drive at the moment. He's got his learner's license. At any stage, I can make him pull the car over and I jump in the driver's seat and my trust can be withdrawn from him. Not that I've had to do that. He's amazing. One day he might just be as good as his father. You see, trust can be withdrawn, can't it? You think about relationships that you have been in. Friends, family, that you trusted, but they broke trust, so you've withdrawn trust. See, the problem of trust is trust is situational. Trust can be withdrawn. Trust is situational, but here's the thing. Surrender is positional. Trust is situational, but surrender is positional. Surrender is a position of absolute vulnerability. I need you to come up here for a little bit, Rima, please. I need you. Just, yeah, there's the steps, bro. There's two of them. You're all good. So what happened in the, in the Old Testament time, let's pretend I'm going to make Rimmer the hero. He's the victor king. He's the one that's won. I'm the king that's lost. All right? Good of that? And so what would happen back in the Bible days is the losing king would lie on the ground 
And the victory king would put his foot on the throat of the losing king. And then the victory king, (laughs) you can keep it there, I trust you. Um, The losing king was then subject to whatever the winning king decided because if the winning king decided to put all his weight on, the king would die. It's the most vulnerable position (laughs) that you could ever be in. Thank you, Rima. (laughs) See, surrender is positional. When you're in a position of surrender, you are at the mercy of the one who has won. Are you with me? 1 Chronicles 19.19 talks about David. It says, Had Hadadizer allies saw that they had been defeated by Israel, when they saw that, they surrendered to David and became his subjects. You see, to surrender means to become subject to whoever is over you. It means to become subject to their authority, subject to their actions, subject to their decisions. You have no control in that place of surrender. If I tried to fight to get away with it, all Rimmer had to do is just put his weight down. There's no escape. You are vulnerable. You have no control. You are at the mercy of he who you are subject to. And here's the thing that I want you to understand this morning as we pursue God this year, as we understand that the pursuit of God ultimately leads to surrender, that when we surrender to God, we become subject to his authority, subject to his actions, subject to his decisions, subject to his control. We become subject to his love, to his grace, to his mercy, to his healing, to his provision, to his power, to his rule, to his ways, to his outcomes. We become subject to the authority that is over us. We become subject to his forgiveness. We become subject to his everything that he wants to do for us. We become under that all the authority of heaven that sits on him. We become subject in surrender. We are now subjected to all of who he is and all of his power and all of his decisions. Surrender in the natural is a place of vulnerability, but surrender in the spiritual is a place of strength because of who we become subject to. Surrender is scary because it means no control. But, I don't know about you, but I don't mind becoming subject to the God who works all things together for good for those he loves. I I don't have a problem becoming vulnerable to the God who heals, to the God who provides, to the God who pours out his grace and his mercy and his goodness, to the God that pursued me first. I don't have trouble surrendering to a God that surrendered first. He surrendered first. He pursued you first. He surrendered to you first. And now all he's saying is, will you pursue me and surrender to me? 
Because when you surrender, you don't come under bondage, but you step into freedom. You see, everything in your life, when it becomes surrendered to him, comes under his control. Your marriage, your family, your career, your health, your finances, everything about your life comes subject to the authority that's over you. And the goal of pursuit is to get to a place of surrender where we trust him, we surrender to him. Because we know that when we surrender, we become subject to all of who he is. See, the problem with trust is when we withdraw it, it's then reliant on me to produce the outcome. But in surrender, the outcome is his problem. In a position of surrender, it's about what he does. He has to do it because I'm subject to him. Why don't you all just close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know everybody that's here today, and if I don't know you, I'd love you to come and talk to me afterwards. But I know this, that when we hear the word surrender, it frightens us to a degree. Because we understand surrender is what you have to do to your enemies. That we surrender to our enemies, that we put our hands up where we put ourselves into a position that that person then has authority over me. But the thing is, surrender in the kingdom doesn't leave you in a position of weakness, but it elevates you to a position of strength. Because God lifts up the humble and he resists the proud. The proud who try to take control, God has to resist. It's not that he doesn't want to help you, he just can't. But when we surrender and we humble ourselves, the Bible says that God lifts us up. He lifts us up, up and beyond of whatever we're under because we come subject to his authority, subject to his power, subject to his grace, subject to his mercy, subject to his forgiveness. And when we bring our family and our marriage and our finances and everything in and to surrender, it releases the power of heaven. It releases the power of the king into the subject that's under it. And I don't know everybody that's here today, but here's the thing I do know, that Jesus took your sins on the cross. Every single person in this place, Jesus took your sins. Before you even asked him to take them, he died for them. He made a provision for them. He brought them. The Bible says this, that he took the keys of hell and death and he took authority over them. He already put that stuff subject to him. And all he says is that, hey, I've moved on your behalf. I pursued you first. Would you pursue me back by just going, you know what, God, I give you my sin. You can have it. And he doesn't punish you for it. He just takes it. And in return, He gives you grace and He gives you mercy and He gives you love and kindness. That's what He does. It's the great exchange. 
but it requires us to move towards the pursuit that he's already done. It requires us to surrender our heart so that he can remove, not punish, but remove those things that will destroy you. And if you're here today and you have never given your life to Christ, you've never